This is Pastor Stipp welcoming those of you who are joining us by means of cassette tape to the December 16, 1984 morning worship service at Indianapolis First Church of the Nazarene. I will be bringing the morning message entitled, Emmanuel, God with us. We trust as you share with us in the music and the message of the day that God's presence will be with you. For the text this morning, I'm going to use a verse that appears in your bulletin. came from the seventh chapter of Isaiah. It's repeated in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 23. Only it, the, what's added in Matthew's Gospel is, which being interpreted is, God with us. The title of this morning's sermon will be Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew records the birth of Jesus as fulfilling the prophecy of that seventh chapter of the book of Isaiah. The word El in the Hebrew is the word for God, and the word Im is the word for with. So literally, Emmanuel means with us is God. Emmanuel. And Matthew says that that happened when Jesus came into the world. God with us. But God had appeared to men in Old Testament times as well. And we call these appearances of God in the Old Testament theophanies. They were the visible manifestations of God to men. Sometimes these were direct messages. Sometimes they were dreams. Sometimes they were visions. And other times they were angels. But often the theophanies introduced momentous events that were about to happen and they were very uh, dramatic in their effect, like the burning bush. That was a theophany. Other times they were, they were to reveal God's plan, such as when God revealed himself to Abraham and spoke to him in a theophany. And invariably these theophanies were to God's people. They did not happen to those people who did not believe God. They happened to men who wouldn't believe him. And sometimes the theophanies, as you read through the Old Testament, were called the angel of the Lord or the angel of God appeared. And which raises the question, were these theophanies actual appearances of Christ in the Old Testament or were they the special angels that were sent for a special mission? Because a lot of times these angels of the Lord or the angel of God had the very same characteristics and qualities of Christ that we see manifested in the New Testament. Well, I'm not going to get lost in that question this morning. And I'm not going to try to answer that question. But all I want to say is that God did appear to men in the Old Testament and he dwelt with them in a certain sense in the Old Testament and God spoke to men in the Old Testament. But now God chose to be with man in a different form. He chose to dwell among men in a human body. And they called his name Emmanuel, God with us. There was another way, however, in the Old Testament that God was with men. His presence was with certain men. If I were to ask you a question this morning, can you think of a verse out of the Old Testament where God promised to be with somebody? where he said, I will be with you. All right, think of a person. Uh, the first one I thought of was Joshua. Anybody else think of Joshua? I'm the only one. No, there's one person back there I thought of Joshua. 
Well, I might get to your person, so you just stay with me. But I thought of Joshua because of the fifth chapter in the first, or the first fifth verse in the first chapter of Joshua says, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. It was just God's promise to Emmanuel to be with him, God with Joshua. But that presence, that particular presence was just for Joshua. And when the people said God was with them, Joshua had to be around because God promised to be with Joshua. And uh, last night, Phil Pitts saw me just before the living Christmas tree and he said, Jerry, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about someone going into battle and they said, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. Who was that? Well, I scratched my brain for a while and I knew it was there somewhere and uh, I checked my Strong's Exhaustive Concordance and uh, went through a couple words and I couldn't find it. Finally found it under the word go and uh, it was the reference was with Deborah and Barak. Barak was given a command of the Lord to go into battle and uh, he went and Deborah confronted him and said, didn't God give you a direction to go into battle? And he said, yes, but I'm not going to go unless you go with me. Now, it didn't mean that he was chicken necessarily or afraid to go into battle. What, what did he what was he really saying by that? He was saying, you're a prophetess and God's promised to be with you. And I'm not going into battle without God. So you come with me. And that's the way God worked in the Old Testament, in His presence. He dwelt with a particular man or woman or in a particular place. And when God spoke to Joshua at that particular time saying, I will be with you as I will be with Moses, He was simply renewing a promise that He had made to Moses. Do you remember what that promise was to Moses? It's in Exodus 3 and it goes like this. Well, first of all, Moses is trying to explain to God that he's not qualified to do what God wants him to do. He said, uh, Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the people of children, the children of Israel out of Egypt? And here's God's response. And he, God said, Certainly I will be with you. God with him in the Old Testament. And I love this part. And this shall be a sign unto you that I have sent you. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God on this mountain. I love that. Moses wants a sign that God's going to be with him. He said, what's the sign you're going to give me that you're going to be with me? Now, what Moses is looking for is for God to make him 10 feet tall, you know, or to give him biceps that are about this big, or to give him a great big stick or do something that will let me know that you're going to be with me. God says, Moses, here's how you know that I'm going to be with you. When you get back to this mountain, all the people will be here with you. Now, that was not the kind of sign that Moses was looking for. He said, now, wait a minute. I want a sign going into it, not coming out of it. I know you're with me if I get back to this place. But what God was saying was that if I tell you something, if I promise to be with you, you will be back to this mountain and the people will be with you. The promise, I will be with you. God with Moses. And God instituted other things that he let people know that he was with them. Remember the Holy of Holies, the, the tabernacle that was built. And God gave all the dimensions of the tabernacle, but he dwelt in one particular place. His presence was manifested in the place called the Holy of Holies. And he let the people know by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire that rested above that particular place. 
And he also let them know that he was with them by giving them the Ten Commandments and they were given on a mountain. So God had several ways of letting the people know that he was with them. When God renews this covenant with Moses a couple chapters later, he says this. I will be to you a God and ye shall know that I, the Lord, am your God, which brings you out of the burdens of the Egyptians. And here's why God said he's going to be with Moses. Because I did swear to give this land to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. And I will give it to you, Moses, for I, the Lord, am God. You see, the reason why God promised to be with Moses is because of another promise that he had made to Abraham. And I wanted just to renew that with you for just a minute. That's found in Genesis chapter 15, because God also promised that he would be with Abraham. And these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. There's a theophany. Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said to the Lord, What wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. And, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own body shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now, I like this particular story because Abraham's coming to God and saying, God, you've given me a promise. This was after the promise was already given to Abraham that his seed shall be as the sands of the earth. And he said, Lord, uh, I don't know if quite you remember your promise or not, but you said that, that I'm going to have a large lineage. But in order for that to happen, I have to have at least one son. And I don't have that son yet. What, what's going to happen? Is there some other plan that you've got worked out? Maybe this other person or maybe the lineage is going to be through somebody else. I like this because God says, come here, Moses, or come here, Abraham. I want you just to go outside and look up. What do you see? And Abraham looked up and saw the stars. And God said, tell me how many there are. And tell me what their names are. And a grin began to come on Abram's face. For he realized that God knew how many stars there were. That God knew their names. And that God had put them there. And then Abram was reminded of who he was. And who God was. And scripture says that Abram got that little example from God and said, I believe you now. I realize who's talking to me. And when he did that, not only is it recorded in Genesis, but it's also recorded to the doctrinal book of, of Romans when it says, and Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. You see, the promises of God have always been to the people of faith. When Abraham believed God, the promise was made to him. And when he, when he said that he would be with Abram, he also said that he would be with Isaac. And that's in Genesis 26. And I want us just to follow the promise for just a few verses here in chapter 26 and verse 2. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go down into Egypt and dwell in the land which I will tell of thee. 
And I want you to stay in the land and I will be with thee. And I will bless thee. For unto thee and to thy seed I will perform all, I will give all these countries. And I will perform the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of the heaven. And I will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That was his promise to Isaac to be with him. And what about Jacob? That's chapter 28, verses 12 through 15. This was where Jacob was dreaming the dream and the angels were ascending and descending on the ladder that reached to heaven. And verse 13 said, And behold, the Lord God stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon you lie, to thee I will give it and to your seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the east and to the west, and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee whether, whithersoever thou goest. See, God promised to be with Abraham. God promised to be with Isaac. God promised to be with Jacob. Why? Remember, Abraham believed God. Look, look at Jacob's response. It's down in verse 19 and 20. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I can come again to my father's house, then shall the Lord be my God. He believed him. And then it's that passage that he said he called the place Bethel. Bethel. El, the word for God. Beth, the word for house. The house of God because God's presence was there. The promise of God has always been to those who would believe him and to those who would make him their God. And God says to those who are willing to believe him, if you believe me, I will be with you. Emmanuel. God with us. Well, that's a few illustrations out of the Old Testament, which brings us to our text in Matthew 1.23. For now it's the dawning of a new day. Now it's the beginning of a new age and a new covenant. God is now with men in a different way. And the Hebrew book of Hebrews starts out this way. God, who at sundry times in his various manners spake in times past, unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. The Scripture says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Linda Spaulding caught me in the hallway this last week, and she said, Jerry, why with all of the prophecies did people not receive Jesus and recognize him when he came? Well, I think one way that would answer that there's an article I read by Bishop Sheen this last week. Just a portion of that goes like this. No worldly mind could ever have suspected that he who could make the sun warm the earth would one day have need of an ox and an ass to warm him with their breath. That he who in the language of Scripture could stop the turning about of the earth would have his birthplace dictated by an imperial census. And that he who, was, who had clothed the fields with grass 
would himself one day be naked. And that he from whose hands came planets and worlds would one day have tiny arms who could not even reach long enough, reach long enough to touch the huge heads of the cattle surrounding him. And that the feet which had trod, trod the everlasting hills would one day be too weak to walk. That the eternal word would one day be silent. That omnipotence would be wrapped in swaddling clothes. That salvation would lie in a manger. No one would ever have suspected that God coming to this earth would ever be so helpless. And Bishop Seen said that's why so many people missed him. Because divinity many times is in the place where you least expect him to be. And I think that's why so many people miss Jesus. They didn't expect him to be born in a manger, in a stable of a lowly birth. But while he walked the earth and while he lived this life, he was God with us. When I was with the Navigator Ministry and under their direction and ministry and training, they had a policy that their doors were always open and many times they set up special rooms with cots or bunk beds or we'd just buy a sleeping bag and all of us would sleep on the floor and just kind of get as many guys in there as we possibly could because they believed in this philosophy that the men from the Air Force institutions and, and uh, not institutions, but the bases and the posts around them would, uh, would be able to spend as much time with them as they could. They believed that was just a scriptural principle. And they called it the with him principle. And they said Jesus uh, believed in that and his philosophy and his ministry was to be with people, especially his disciples. And since the navigators were specializing in a discipling kind of ministry, they wanted us to be with them. Well, I wanted to do a little Bible study on the word with. You realize how many times that appears in the Bible? 4,862 times. So I didn't do an exhaustive study on that word. But you will notice that I have used a few passages out of the Old Testament where God promised to be with certain men. And God promised to be with them in a certain way. But if we just took a few portions of that out of the Gospel of John, we'd find that Jesus said this, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go to him that sent me. In John 13, he said, little, Yet a little while I am with you, ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, where I go you cannot come. In the 14th chapter, Jesus said, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? And in the 14th chapter, a little later on, he said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he shall be in you. Jesus made the claim self-proclamation that God is with you when I am with you. God's presence was with them, Emmanuel. And when Jesus spoke, God spoke. When Jesus acted, God acted. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God with us.
Emmanuel. But God coming in human form was not the new covenant. His coming was the necessary act that would initiate the new covenant. For you see, he was the one promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. In which all the nations of the world would be blessed. And he was the one that must come for God to be able to do for man what he wanted to do all along. Jesus made it possible for God to dwell with every man. You see, before Christ, God couldn't dwell among men. Not in the way that he does today. His presence was always manifested in a limited sense on one man or one woman or in one place. Why? Because of the exceeding sinfulness of sin. A holy God cannot dwell in a sinful people. And there must be an adequate atonement for the sins of man. An adequate atonement. You see, there were atonements. That was a part of the first covenant. There were sacrifices, but they were animals. They were never quite good enough. They always took the best animal, but they were never perfect. Only one has ever been worthy, and that's Jesus. And in him we find merit, not in the merit of an animal sacrifice. And by the way, do you know why the animal sacrifices were good for an atonement for sin? Because God said, if you will do this and believe me, I will forgive you. Not in the animal, it was in the word of God. It was in people that would believe him. You see, it's always been the promises of God that he would forgive us has always been to those of faith. Just like the blood that was placed on the lintel and on the doorpost. Those that would believe God's word and act accordingly were the ones who were spared. And Jesus atoned completely for the salvation of the whole world. And he provided a way for God to be with us, to be with us forever. And you say, can God be with us now? I mean, God dwell with us now? Listen to this, Jesus. John 14, chapter, chapter 14, verse 23. If a man love me, he will keep my words and my Father will love him. And we, my Father and I, will make our abode with him. We'll make our abode with him. The new covenant is God with us all. That's the new covenant. God with us all. And in the same passage, Jesus says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and shall bring all things into remembrance whatsoever I've told you. And two chapters later, he says, These things have I told you, that when the time comes, you will remember that I told them to you. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. When... Jesus didn't tell him about the promise of the Father. Jesus didn't tell him about the Comforter coming because in the beginning of his ministry, he was with them. And now he was going to send another to be with them. 
What he was saying was this. While I was with you, the Holy Spirit could not come. Because a provision had to be made for your sins before he could come. And I'm the provision. I, it will cost me my life. That's why you cannot receive him yet. But when you receive him, you'll understand everything that I have told you. And you will receive the promise of the father. You will receive the promise of the father. The promise of the father from the beginning, the promise of the father. In fact, he said, here's the promise. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And they were so confused. James said, when, when Jesus said those words, James said, Jesus, just show us the father. And his reaction was, have I been so long with you and you don't know that when you've seen me, you've seen the father. And then he realized that they could not understand. And he said, I'm not going to tell you anymore right now. But when he comes, you'll 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 know. And Peter was so confused at this point, he was just silent. I mean, it takes a lot of confusion for Peter not to say anything. But the scripture records nothing that he said. They could not understand because their minds had not yet been freed. But the promise of the father was received. Remember his last instruction before he left? He said this, wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard me speak. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Was that promise received? Acts 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat on all of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. The promise was received. What was the result of that promise of the Father being received? Listen to Peter now. Was he silent? Was he ignorant now? Listen to what he immediately said. This is that which is spoken of by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in those days, said God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. No more theophanies. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days my spirit and they shall prophesy. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter didn't need Jesus for the explanation now. He didn't need to ask him now. He had the mind of Christ. The promise of the Father had been received. I imagine his mind just about exploded with truth. Can you imagine what it's like to have his mind set free? The Holy Spirit come upon him and now he can say, I see what he's been trying to tell us all along. It all makes sense. I can see the old. I can see what Jesus said. It's all one promise to be received of the Father. 
But what about the Holy of Holies? What happened to his presence there? You all know that the veil that separated that most holy place was torn from top to bottom, signifying that God had done it and that now his presence was no longer confined, that now he could dwell among men. Well, what happened to the covenant about the, the tables of tablets of stone? Listen to what the writer of Hebrews said. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and on their hearts. And I will be to them a God. Does this sound familiar? I will be to them a God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. And I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. I will remember against them no more. They didn't need Moses now to ask what God said. They didn't need Joshua. They didn't need Isaac. They didn't need the presence of Jesus in human form. If they wanted to know what God said in the Old Testament, they'd say, well, let's go find Moses. He's the only one that knows. And then they'd ask Moses, what has God got to say? They'd find a prophet somewhere and they'd say, what does God want us to do? We don't know. And you'll have to tell us you're the only one he speaks to. But what now? Shall, they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for all shall know me. And now we can say unequivocally, if you want to know what the Lord says, you ask him. Because his spirit has been poured out on all flesh. What's the message for us today? Emmanuel. God is with us. And to whoever believes on him, he says, and their sins and their iniquities, I will remember against them no more. What could be better than this? I can only think of one thing. And this passage of Scripture, Revelation 21. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. Does that sound familiar? And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And he that sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. The only thing that could be better than the Holy Spirit outpoured upon all flesh so that now that we can receive Him and have God dwell with us individually is that we dwell with Him forever and have the former things passed away. And that day's coming. For there's one final change for Emmanuel, God being with us, and that's to be with us forever in eternity. And God Himself shall be with them and he will be their God. You see, the plan of God has never changed. His plan has always been to be with us. Praise God. A lot of times we think we want to be with him. Do you realize what the scripture is saying? His plan is to be with us. From Genesis to Revelation, we've read them both. His promise to Abraham 
And in the 21st chapter of Revelation, it's exactly the same promise. I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And I will be with them, he says to us. Well, to whom? His promise, that also has never changed. The promise is to those who would believe him. See, the promise has always been to the people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Joshua and Peter and James and John and 3,000 souls that were added to the church that first day because you see, they too had the mind of Christ. They could see it. When Peter preached it, all of a sudden the people didn't have to ask, is this true or not? They knew. They had the mind of Christ. And you do too. And also the promises to a great multitude which no man can number. Of all nations, and of all kindreds, and of all people, and of all tongues, clothed in white robes, because they would dare to believe the word of God. And thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Will you stand with me, please? I would like for you to turn in your hymnals to hymn 118. I couldn't find a song to sing this morning that would have the name Emmanuel in it. We don't have too many of those. But there is a song that is a Christmas song, and yet it expresses the feeling and the heart of this message, and it's the name of Jesus. It's the same thing, because Jesus, J-E, is short for Jehovah. Jesus, the salvation of God among men. Jehovah is Savior, is what his name means. And I, some of you might say, well, this didn't sound like much of a Christmas message. But I think that's the message of Christ coming into the world is God wants to be with us. God is with us. Some of you don't know it. Sometimes the, the way gets rough and it seems almost too hard. And Sometimes you look at the Christian life and you say, I can't do that. But you see, His Spirit has been poured out. If you understand anything about this message today, it's because of Emmanuel. God is with us. And as we sing this hymn together, if you have a need in your heart, if you say, I, I know of the promise, but I need to be the one that the promise can fall on because I'm willing to believe God. I'm willing to believe God for whatever it is in my life that stood in my way but of reaching Him and allowing Him to pour out His Spirit on my life. I want to take care of that this morning. Let's sing that together. Bill, lead us as we sing. I know
Well, sometimes we skip over those third verses. I like this one. What I want you to do, I want us to pick up the tempo just a little bit, Bill, and I want us to sing it as a song of praise and a song of testimony. And I want you to resound that. Emmanuel, God is with us because Jesus is here. Let's sing that third verse together in testimony and praise. The one of us verse together. I feel like God has spoken to some people here this morning. This will be your verse to respond to that need within your heart. Aren't you glad that God's with us? Praise God. I, I can't relate to the experiences of the Old Testament. I can just barely, re- I, I don't know if I can relate to the disciples because you see, I'm this side of the promise. My mind has been illuminated. My heart is sensitive to spiritual things and truths. And the things of the Word of God are spiritually discerned. When Peter made that proclamation, Thou art the Christ, Jesus said, You didn't figure that out. God told you that. If you understand the things of the Spirit of the Lord today and there's a difficulty in your heart, use this last verse to find peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's sing it together. I love that blessing and wonderful